Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Partial is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. Friends, welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. We're going to take up the topic of narcissism against this again this hour. And we're going to do it because the lines stay lit almost the entire hour when we take this topic up. So I'm very much impressed that somehow this is an opportunity for people who have suffered in silence for far too long to really give voice to their pain, to ask questions, to explore, to try to figure out what's going on. Are you the culprit or is the narcissist in the marriage the culprit? And what do you do? How do I handle this? How do I not hit the triggers? How do I survive? What happens when my kids are being used as chess pawns in a relationship like this? And by the way, I was just reading earlier today that there is a strong belief in the counseling and psychiatric community that narcissism is now at an all-time high. And I'm not surprised, by the way. I've asked Laurel Slade Wagner this question on multiple occasions. We are actually creating an environment where self-aggrandizement is found to be something of honor. Well, if you take what the world is saying and you square that off with the straight stick of truth and God's word, I'm pretty sure self-aggrandizement is not in there anywhere. Uh, I think it's the antithesis, by the way. But when you've got social platforms that suddenly say because of the number of followers you have, <laughs> forgive me, I have to laugh when I say this, and I'm, I, 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 I don't mean to be cruel, but I've thought about this. How does one anoint oneself and call themselves an influencer? 
I, I don't get that. So people who show up in their bio because they have so many people who follow them on one of these platforms that somehow they're a quote influencer because you define influence by the number of hits you get on your social media page. Therefore you have given influence. I, you know, I find that interesting because I'm not quite sure that's really the working definition of what influence is. Um, influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something. And so when you're posting on one of those platforms, what's your metric as the quote influencer that the people on the receiving end of whatever you've posted somehow has an effect on their character, their development or their behavior. But uh, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but you get my drift on this. So the point is you're self-anointed as an influencer, like that's a job. I understand you can monetize that. So for some people, I guess it is a paying job, but I'm not quite sure you get a college degree in influencing. It all depends on what you're going to post on your platform. So add to that the other social media where your value is predicated on how many thumbs up you get, how many likes you get, or how many followers you get. We just have created this toxic environment where self-aggrandizement now is to be honored. And I think that just foments the idea of narcissism, which isn't being selfish. That's us. That's our post-Eden experience in the human condition. All of us are times when we're selfish. In fact, we wage against that in our flesh on a regular basis. But for the narcissist, there's no waging. There's tone deafness. Our friend Laurel calls it cognitive uh, dissonance. They're not even aware that they're not even softened enough by the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit to say, oh, that was wrong. That was out of place. So you get where we're going. You need this. 877-548-3675. Questions only this hour on the topic of narcissism. 877-548-3675. Let me formally introduce Laurel because I've referenced her a few times here. Board certified professional Christian counselor, licensed mental health counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, private practice, in the Tampa Bay area for almost 20 years. She is an author who has put out several books that are very important to this because this is a touchy subject. And honestly, particularly from a biblical perspective in truth, and I'll just be bold here, there are a lot of Christian publishing companies that don't want to touch this topic with a 10-foot pole. But there are brave people who say, well, then I'll self-publish. And the book still has an impact. So the first book she wrote is called Don't Let Their Crazy Make You Crazy. How to Stay Sane and Strong When the Narcissist in Your Life is Trying to Control or Abuse You. Then she wrote, because as I noted earlier, children often become the pawns in the chess game in this dynamic. Don't let their crazy make your kids crazy. How to Shield Your Children from Their Narcissistic Parents' Control and Manipulation. Coming soon, Crazy Talk, How to Respond When the Narcissist in Your Life is Being Demanding, Demissive, or Dismissive, or Degrading. She has a website, of which I've got linked on my information page. If you want to talk to Laurel privately and professionally, I've just made one step easier for you to be able to do that. That's Help You Seek on Your Own. She has a podcast. You can get this wherever you find podcasts. It's simply called Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life. So there's the formal introduction, but we're going to take your questions again at 877-548-3675. Laurel, the warmest of welcomes, and I was thinking in anticipation for this, this is sort of like... um, in some cases, you're fighting windmills because 
narcissism doesn't show up with a name badge that says, hello, I'm a narcissist. And the narcissist by design can have one personality in the privacy of the home and a completely different personality out in public. And on public, very often they're charmers. They can suck the air out of the room. They're the life of the party. They're the center of attention, which is exactly where they want to be. So it's difficult for you, particularly if you're dating sometimes, to recognize, is this person narcissistic? So, uh, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. What does one look for, particularly in a dating situation, to recognize whether or not the person you're dating might be a narcissist? And I don't think I have Laurel. So I'll tell you what, let's take a break and we'll get Laurel on the phone. But let me give you the phone number again. It's 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Our topic, narcissism. Any question you have, and I take the privilege of the chair, as I often say, being here in Washington. The first question is mine, which is, how do you recognize a narcissist? Because again, there isn't a personal identification that says, hello, my name is so-and-so and I am a narcissist. So now it requires some discernment and wisdom on your part to start recognizing the attributes that might be red flags. What are some of those? When we get Laurel reconnected here, we'll find out. 877-548-3675. I'm so glad we're going to spend the hour together. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. And again, our topic, narcissism. Back after this. Christians really believe? What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market, call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58 or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're visiting with Laurel Slade Wagner, professional certified counselor, Christian counselor, board certified. And we're talking about the subject of narcissism. And lots of you are lining up and we're going to get to your calls. But I do want to get this question answered, Laurel, because I think it's imperative, particularly in the dating phase of a relationship. Um, it might help afterwards as a diagnostic tool in your marriage. But what are the things you look for to see if someone is, in fact, a narcissist because they are master manipulators of the situation, very often they'll say, I, I always control the outcomes. That's an infamous statement that's often applied to narcissists as well. So they'll move the pieces around and you're not even where you're being manipulated. So what do we look for? Thank you for having me back on, Janet. I'm just so excited that we're talking about this and we're just shedding light on this dark topic. And that's a really great question because there's so much confusion around it. If people don't uh, receive bruises and there's physical evidence, people don't believe, uh, other people on the outside don't believe that that victim is being abused. So the more we can educate people on what healthy relating is and teach them to be, as the Bible talks about in Matthew 10, 16, being shrewd as serpents, and that's discerning, um, knowing what healthy relating is. And then also, what are the character traits that 
we look for in someone who is wise and righteous, the more we know about those types of things, the more we can recognize something that is false or that is deceptive. So I say if you're in a dating circumstance or even if you're interviewing someone for a potential position mm. at work, you you know, this is applicable to many different circumstances, but you want to look for evidences of humility. You want to look for evidences of someone accepting responsibility. You want to look for evidences of of someone being connected to other people. Uh, someone who's empathetic and responsive to your pain. So a healthy relationship has a lot of different mutual things. So mutual interest, mutual effort, mutual care and concern. You're, you're just looking for uh, just all these different mutual things. You're looking for someone who's willing to be transparent, who's willing to look at themselves uh, through the lenses of reality and realize that nobody is perfect. And so you look for language that is indicative of, hey, you know what? I'm not a perfect person. Um, someone who will tolerate your no. If you tell them no or it doesn't work, for me, then what do they do without response? Mm. Do they try to get you to change your mind? Do they try to make you feel guilty? Um, all those different things. So you can you can pretty much assess in one conversation if someone is narcissistic, clinically narcissistic or not. Because like you were saying earlier, they have that cognitive rigidity. Someone who is clinically narcissistic, they will not see things from a different perspective. So if you're sitting with someone who's going on and on and on about their opinion, but they're not asking you your opinion, or if you do inject your opinion and they're not open to it, those are big red flags. Mm. Wonderful answer. Thank you for that, Laurel. Now, I want my friends to be able to ask their questions as we go along. So again, you need this, 877-548-3675. The topic on the table is narcissism. Questions only. Any question you have on the topic of narcissism, 877-548-3675. And I'm going to start with you in Ohio. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and your question for Laurel, please. Hi, um, I was just wondering, how do I know if I am the narcissist. I know um, I've listened to you prior, and I think you said something on the lines of, well, you probably won't be able to know if it is you. Um, like you have a hard time realizing. Well, that's, a, that's a great question. And the mere fact that you're calling in, that you're wondering about that, that leads me to believe that you are not narcissistic. People who are clinically narcissistic do not want to self-reflect. So um, I have a little questionnaire that I go over with people because I, the narcissists are so good at convincing the victim that they're the ones that are narcissistic. So why are you asking that question? Is it because you genuinely want to know? Um, and if you think you have some narcissistic traits? Are you willing to do something about that? That's an indication that you're not narcissistic. Do you feel guilt or remorse when you've hurt somebody, either intentionally or by accident? Um, do you seek to become increasingly self-aware? Do you care about the feelings of others? Are you open-minded and open to the possibility of perhaps being 
wrong or looking at something from a broken perspective because we're not perfect. We all have that original sin in us. And then we're all imperfect because we were raised by imperfect people. So we have we have innate wickedness. We have innate brokenness that we're battling all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you're most likely not narcissistic. There's a good possibility someone has tried to convince you that you're narcissistic, but I, w- I would say that you're not narcissistic. May that be an encouragement to you, Anna. And I thank you so for being with us. Alma, I welcome you from Illinois. Thanks for being here. Your question, please. Hi, I'm so glad you have this program. I've been waiting about five years to learn about this because I've been listening to your show every day for the last three years, and I've never heard this topic. I must have missed it while I'm working, but my families were all narcissistic. Um, I hopefully I'm on the lower level of the spectrum. However, why would God allow the development of this of, of narcissism and then expect us to love one another and communicate with one another? Why would he allow the development when he knows perfectly well a narcissist will not listen to anybody else's opinion and expect us to love each other? like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Those those are wonderful questions. I wish I had a clear answer for you because I don't. I'm not God, so I can't really answer why he um, would do something. Uh, what I do know about God is he is he is good and he is loving and he is just and whatever the reason is he allowed that it's for good purposes and it's out of love super answer and Alma, i hope that's an encouragement to you and i thank you so for being a part of the conversation our number is 877-548-3675 our topic narcissism any question you have on the topic our guest laurel slade wagner who's written powerfully on this topic and you want more information excellent go to the website in the market with janetpartial.org click on the red box it says program details and audio takes you to the info page there's a click away from the resources and a link to her website back after this Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. That's our number here on In the Market with Janet Parshall, and we have the privilege of spending the hour with Laurel Slade Wagner, who, as I noted earlier, and let me repeat again, is a board-certified professional Christian counselor, and she's written prolifically on the topic of narcissism, which is why we're taking your questions now. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. John, I welcome you from Idaho. Your question, please, for Laurel. Yes. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, My Mm -hmm. question is, what is the best way to get someone who is narcissistic to realize they need help and to want to seek help or therapy? So, John, that's a that's a very complicated question. So um, we can't get anyone to see things from a different perspective. So the the first thing we need to realize is we, we don't have that kind of power to do that. We, we can't get them to open up their mind, to open up their heart, to, to want to see things from a different perspective, how you can interact with someone who is 
very rigid in their thinking like that or what what the Bible calls biblically foolish, which is which means that they're not open to um, humility. They're not open to surrender, to doing things God's way, to looking at things God's way. They are, in essence, they want to be their own God. They want to control everything. They want everyone else to see things uh, through their perspective, not through the perspective of God's eyes or even reality. So what you want to do instead of questing after trying to get them to see things from a different perspective and accept that they're hurting people, you want to neutralize their impact. So God has instructions. We we use Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Um, we speak the truth in love. We invite people into a plan of change. We confront them in love. If they will not listen, then who will they listen to? Is there anyone in their family or a counselor or a pastor that they will listen to or a trusted friend. Um, if they won't, then you do take it to the church and say, you know, is there a board of elders that can confront? What What is the church discipline policy? And then if they still won't listen, then we're called to do what God does and what he instructs, which is to use the redemptive tool of separation. So you can't, there are no magic words to get them to see things from a different perspective you just use God's principles and his instruction. He he is not, he loves the narcissist as much as he loves everybody else. He wants that person to be free of wanting to be their own God. He knows best. And, and that's what he desires for all of us is to have a, a close relationship with him. And the, they just don't want to do that. Mm. John, thank you. Appreciate so much for being a part of the conversation. Let me turn to Andrea, who joins us from Alaska. Andrea, welcome in your question, please. Hi there. I was just listening to your last answer, which answered my question, but and I loved that answer. On a different note, though, I mean, how do you keep yourself, other than praying and from banging your head against the wall when there's just a dead end street <laughs> with a narcissist. Yeah. I mean, it's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is, that is a really great question. That is the whole crux of my first book. Don't let their crazy make you crazy because it's, it's a whole way to um, look at yourself and to make some changes and to learn some skills so that you maintain your sanity and strength because they they will just take everything from you. They will take your ability to see your preciousness. They will take your strength. They will take your energy level. Uh, they will take your belief that you are good or likable or lo lovable and you might start to isolate. So there's all kinds of strategies in the book on how what what exactly clinical narcissism is and how that relates to the Bible some um, as far as biblical foolishness. And then there's a whole section on dialoguing with someone who's narcissistic, some strategies there. And then there's a whole section on self-care and, um, you know, how do you see yourself through God's eyes? How do you know that your strengths are there even if you don't feel them? How do you, how do you know um, how to plan for an interaction with them so that they don't take your strengths? So you can get the book. If you don't want to get the book, I also have a podcast like Janet was saying that has a lot of that material out there for free. Mm -hmm. 
And you can find that, Andrea, wherever there are podcasts. Help, I have a narcissist in my life. And I thank you so for being a part of the conversation. June, I turn to you next in Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. And your question, please. Yes, Jan, I listen to you quite often. And I think I have a narcissist in my life. And let me tell you, it does make you feel like you're going cuckoo. (laughs) And this person constantly wants attention. And it's, it's annoying. It's very annoying. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I'm I'm ready to call it quits totally and just pack a bag and leave. <laughs> it's it's very it's bad. <laughs> well, yes, and that's we we all feel exasperated like that, and I feel your pain, June, because I am. I have the degrees that Janet was talking about, but I also grew up with narcissistic parents. And then I, I also, because that was familiar, I, I married someone who was narcissistic and, and ended up having to go through a divorce because he did not want to change. And so I understand your pain and you're absolutely right. That's one of the criteria is uh, that they have an excessive need for affirmation. So mm. you're dead on and it is exhausting. Mm. June, thank you. Appreciate so much for being a part of this. I want to remind you all the number again is 877-548-3675. And don't forget to visit the website because when you get there, you're going to find the two books that she's written, a link to her website. So if you wanted to talk to Laurel privately and professionally, that website will facilitate that for you. We're going to take a break. More of your calls after this. We live in a culture that's infatuated with the latest fads, but Ephesians 4.15 calls for us to be stable. No longer infants, Paul said, tossed about by the waves and carried around by every wind of teaching. On In the Market, we're exposing current trends and finding our balance by standing on the solid foundation of God's Word. To get exclusive behind-the-scenes information and benefits, become a partial partner. Call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We are discussing the topic of narcissism with Laurel Slade Wagner, a board-certified professional Christian counselor, licensed mental health counselor, and licensed marriage and family therapist. She's been practicing for close to 20 years in the state of Florida. She's written some marvelous books on this topic, Don't Let Their Crazy Make You Crazy, and Don't Let Their Crazy Make Your Kids Crazy. She also has a podcast called Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life, and I've got a link to her website, excuse me, if you wanted to learn more and talk privately with Laurel as well. 877-548-3675. Jody, I turn to you in Georgia, and your question, please. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I've listened to your host on several occasions, and I am aware of a family member who is definitely the victim of a narcissist. And this sort of came to a head recently where, and and this person is male, um, it's my nephew, and he is physically abused by his wife, who is very narcissistic extremely. And I didn't realize how under her spell he was until an incident happened. Law enforcement was involved and he could hold her accountable, but he won't. And so it has become clear to me and to his parents that we're almost helpless. If if the person is not strong enough to get help, what can you do? Mm. And I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Oh my goodness, that is so hard to watch somebody 
just not be able to see their value and to continue to be controlled and abused by another person. I would I would say more than anything, what does he have a good lawyer? Does he have someone that understands the power dynamics and abuse that can hold him accountable for falling through on holding that narcissistic person accountable? So uh, I don't know what state he lives in. In my state, we have protections in place. So let's say a victim of of physical abuse decides to drop the charges, the state of Florida can step in and file charges on behalf of that victim because they understand that that they're conditioned, they're emotionally conditioned to placate that narcissist. So making sure that he has a really good lawyer, if you can uh, affirm him and, and constantly try to build him up and, and let him know that he is worthy. He is uh, strong. He is was not created to be treated this way. So you can be there as a source of support. You can also resource him. So there's lots of good groups if he'd be willing to do that, like the Celebrate Recovery Codependency Group. He could be with, with other gentlemen that have been through what he's been through um, and is going through. So he's not alone in this battle. And I know that it's a misnomer. Sometimes we think that only women are victimized, but that's that's not true. I work with several men who have been victimized as well. Mm. And I thank you so much, Jody, for being a part of this. 877-548, excuse me, 3675-877-548-3675. Shirley in Pennsylvania. Welcome. Your question, please. Yes, I was wondering... about 30 years ago, my son married a girl. We didn't know her very well at all. But she went into a tantrum, screaming at me, and my son cried, which, I mean, and I've never been able to see him. He's not allowed to have anything to do with me. And I heard, I knew at the time she seemed to have a, a rage of uh maybe insanity. I even wrote a letter to Focus on the Family, James Dobson, and they were so kind. They called and talked to me and recommended some Christian uh, counselors, which I wasn't able to take advantage of. But um, my question to you is, does a narcissist sometimes demand that someone would not be able to see their loved one? Absolutely, Shirley. Absolutely. And I'm so sorry that you're estranged from your son and that he's not standing up to her so that he can continue to be around people who love him. But that is a very common strategy with people who are narcissistic. They isolate their victims because they want the victim to be dependent on them. They don't want the victim to be exposed to sources of love and support and wisdom because they they don't want the confrontation from that victim. So it is very, very common and they use all kinds of strategies. They might, um, she might be outwardly uh, saying no and, and controlling him outwardly, or she might be very manipulative and, and uh, causing him to doubt your goodness and all kinds of things like that. But it is very common for them to, 
just take the victim aside and uh, keep them from those who can give them any kind of wisdom or love and support. And that's part of the pain of this disorder, is it not? Absolutely. And it's not, there's so much collateral pain to Janet. So I work with a lot of people who have maybe a narcissistic daughter-in-law or a narcissistic son-in-law. And, and so a lot of them are estranged from their child because this person is keeping them captive or estranged from the grandchildren too. They don't get to see the grandchildren grow up and they can't participate in events that are important in the grandchild or grandchildren's lives because this narcissistic daughter-in-law or son-in-law are, are isolating everybody. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why, just like right now, every line is lit, is that there are concentric circles of impact from mm-hmm. this damaging personality. Jay, I welcome mm-hmm. you from Wisconsin. Your question, please. Uh, thank you, Janet, for taking my call. Um, can a codependent person have narcissistic characteristics or be a narcissist? That that is a really great question. So what happens with severe codependency is they kind of put that narcissistic person uh, up there on a pedestal. So they're living to placate that narcissist. They're living to prevent negative interactions. They're, they're trying to make sure that narcissistic person is happy all the time. So what happens is that's their preoccupation. And so they're going to reorchestrate their life. That codependent person is going to reorchestrate their life in order to do that. So what happens a lot of times is the codependent person may treat other people in their life narcissistically as a byproduct. And it's, it's unconscious. They're not maliciously trying to do that. But let's say that a codependent person has a lot of really good friends and super connected at church. And then, and then he or she marries somebody who's narcissistic and that narcissistic person says, well, I don't want you spending time with your friends or I don't, you know, I don't want to go to church or all of this. Then all of a sudden, the codependent person is abandoning all of those friends and treating those friends as if they don't matter. It's not that they, they want to hurt those people, but on the outside, it looks like they are behaving narcissistically. Mm. Thank you, Jay. Let me turn to Tammy in Washington state. Tammy, welcome your question, please. Um, Thank you. I, I was married to a narcissist clinically. He was diagnosed by a psychologist And he told me on that very dark day that he met with me that the narcissism was, um, there were four P's. It was uh, pernicious, it was destructive. It was pervasive, it would affect every relationship that he would have, including our children. And it was uh, persistent, meaning it would be everything in his world would be narcissistic focused. But he also said it was permanent. And I believe that Jesus can heal anything, and unless it's a cut-off leg, (laughs) um, you know, they can't be healed. Um, You know, is it true that narcissism is truly permanent? Because he told me that the very nature of the condition makes it impossible to treat. And my father was narcissistic as well in the last three years of his life. He was the best dad in the world and was not a narcissist. So I'm, I'm just wanting to know for my children's sake, I'm already divorced. He left when I set boundaries. Um, 
which is a blessed subtraction, but I want to know, for my children's sake, is it truly permanent? And and that I agree with you on what you were saying. I believe so powerfully and whole-mindedly and heartedly that God can change anything. The problem with with biblical foolishness or clinical narcissism, as we call it today, the problem with it is they don't want to change. And so history shows that they will not change, even though they can change most of the time they cannot change. I've seen a few instances where something maybe catastrophic where they can't control a circumstance will lead them to a surrender. But most of the time they they absolutely dig their heels in. They don't see a, a need for change. And And I believe that God gives everyone a completely free will. He, his desire is to be close to everyone, um, but th- it really, he gives everyone a free will. I hear the music, Janet, so I'll stop thank talking. You. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Laurel. I appreciate it. Tammy, may that be an encouragement to you, and I thank you for the question. 877-548-3675. Laurel Slade-Wagner, our guest. The topic on the table, narcissism, and we're taking any question you have on the topic. Again, let me lead you back to our info page because there are multiple resources there for you to get additional help, including the conversation you're hearing today. Back after this. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. That's our number here on In the Market with Janet Parshall. Let me go right back to the phones. Chelsea's in Pennsylvania. Chelsea, thank you for joining us. And your question for Laurel Slade Wagner, please. Yes, um, my question is: I'm new to narcissism and everything, so I just suffered a two-year-long relationship with a narcissist, and now I'm kind of on the path to healing. Um, he kind of sucked the like life out of me where I lost all like um, happiness with life, happiness with myself, happiness with everything. And now I'm just trying to learn how to heal from the abuse. And they will do that, Chelsea. I praise our Lord that you were released from that relationship. It, it sounds like he took a lot out of you. Um, you have to start with with grieving so allowing yourself to grieve because there there were good times too or you wouldn't have stayed with him for that long and so you have to kind of look at it and and allow yourself to be sad over what you're missing and then you start to really once you're you're on the way to going through all that that process you get to that place of acceptance okay so it's over and I need to move on and I can have joy again and I can even have love again. And so then you start to rechannel all of your energies from the grieving into learning about what healthy relating is. So what what is healthy relating? You need to study it, read some good books. I love um, Safe People by John Townsend and Henry Cloud. They're kind of the boundaries guru guys in the Christian community. So just really understanding what healthy is and then putting yourself out there, getting connected, getting connected with safe people at church, you know, maybe join a small group or sign up to serve and set some social goals so that 
um, you're putting yourself out there and you're being able to like, give yourself the opportunity to experience healthy people and God's love in action. And so when you're doing all of this and you, and you purpose to do that, you're going to heal. You need to be patient with yourself. You're going to have days where you feel strong, where you're going to be in touch with your preciousness, and you're going to have some really tough days. So it's a process. So being patient with yourself and continuing to, to do that healing work. Um, of course, connecting with a, a Christian counselor who can kind of walk you through like in, in my sessions, I will, once people have done all the grieving and, and they're in a stronger place, then I might have them look back at their life story and figure out, okay, what allowed me, what in me allowed me to knit myself together with a person such as this? And you have to kind of figure out some of those core beliefs that you're operating out of and and then learn how to operate God's way. So like I was saying at the beginning of the program, when Janet was talking about the dating, like see what somebody does with your no, um, get the courage mm -hmm. to actually say no. And maybe you, you were conditioned as a child to obey so much that you never gave yourself permission to actually say no, or that's not okay with me. So, so doing that kind of introspective and reflective work, looking back over your life to see why this happened so that you can prevent it from happening again in the future. Thanks, Chelsea. Appreciate your being here. And I hope that's an encouragement. And I welcome you from Tennessee. Your question now, please. Yes, I just found out my daughter just told me a couple months ago that for the last, I don't know how many years, she's been mis mentally mistreated by her husband, who is a narcissist, and he has belittled his 18-year-old grandson into becoming a hermit. Mm. He has taken everything, all their money, mm. all her friends, all everything, and left her basically penniless to where she has no money, no job, no friends. She can't get any help on an appointed lawyer because they, he is an ex-attorney and he owns everybody or has a finger in everybody's business in town. I don't know what to do. I'm two states away. I'm disabled. How can I, where can she go to try and get some help if nobody's offering to help her because she never had any friends. He even alienated her from her daddy and I before he died. Mm. So mm. I don't know what to do. Oh, and I just, my heart breaks for you. And I just, I pray for, for strength and um, just strength for you, strength for your daughter. There, although it seems like there is no help out there, there is help out there. And even if he's a local attorney, you, she just needs an attorney that is within her state. She, she can uh, branch out maybe they could do zoom calls or something, but there is help out there. I also recommend that she connect with some domestic violence shelters because they have really good resources. Sometimes they can refer to local legal counsel that, that works at no or little charge. Um, I would encourage her to see if there's, um, a church that she can start to attend to. There's many wonderful churches that will subsidize um, counseling. They have relationships with different counselors in the area where maybe there's a zero copay that she can have three to five sessions uh, with. So it's going to take her working with God and 
and doing some legwork to put herself out there and to do some research. But there are there are options for her. She, uh, her ex husband, her narcissistic husband, he wants her to be hopeless. He wants her to feel like she's powerless. And so she has to get in touch with her righteous anger and say, that's a lie from the enemy of my soul. And, and I'm not going to believe that and, and really get that vigor through her righteous anger. But there is help out there for her. Mm. Thank you, Anne, so much for being with us. And I do hope you found some encouragement in what you just heard. I want to tell those friends who are online, I'm so sorry we didn't get to your call. I hope we'll get to your call the next time. Laurel, likewise, I want to encourage you because I keep saying this and I just want to say it's truth. I say goodbye. The line clears and instantly it is replaced with another call. So, so many people have questions on this topic. As I said, when I started this conversation, I'm hoping that this provides an avenue of expression for people like Precious Anne, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can hear the pain that Anne has dealt with. They're looking for answers. They've had quiet grief for so many years. They've been isolated. And by the way, that phrase, sucking the life out of me, is so often heard as the person who's on the receiving end of the narcissist. This is one of the damages that are done on a regular basis. So I'm hoping that these conversations provide you with some encouragement and even more importantly, some resources. So go to our information page in the market with JanetParshall.org. Click on the red box that says program details and audio. Click on it. You'll learn more about Laurel. You'll see her books. You'll see a link to her website and you can continue the discussion. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you, friends. See you next time.